Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 1st of December, 2022. Happy December to you. And I bid you a fond adieu, November. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. We'll keep you entertained and informed and outraged and all those good things in the next hour-ish or so. But first, let me tell you about patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com where you can go get extra bonus content. There's pictures, a few pictures from my Thanksgiving up there. There's uh, all kinds of goodies up there, as well as the Week in F and Review. And you enter to win the contest. Anne Rice versus Donald Trump. Autographed books. Personally autographed books. All you got to do is enter. All you got to do to enter is support the program at $5 per month at either one of those locales, however you so choose to do it. Much appreciated. Super duper appreciated. Seriously. So thanks to everybody who does that. Thanks to everybody who's going to do that. Check it out. All right. Let us get on with the program. There is a lot going on in the world. There's a bunch of things I want to cover. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, do we make, let's point out Joe Biden. We can start with, we should probably start with Joe Biden. Just because he said some ridiculous things. But I really want to get to this Canadian-assisted suicide ad. It's so bizarre. We'll get to that in a bit. It's just really, really weird that a clothing company or a department store, whatever the hell it is, would feel compelled to, I don't know, try to appeal to the people who want want assisted suicide, I guess. I'm not really sure. Anyway, first, I just want to point out a couple of things that uh, Joe Biden said yesterday. He spoke to a, a union group. He, Joe Biden only speaks to people who like Joe Biden. It's something that is, <clears throat> Barack Obama kind of did it for the most part. And look, when you're going to send out a president of the United States to give a speech or whatever, you, you certainly want it pack it with or go to you go to you go to an employer say where they like Solyndra you send your uh, somebody to a Solyndra where they go well this company is a, a big fan of this administration because otherwise they'd be bankrupt without the money that this administration gave them. okay I understand that that doesn't mean that everybody in the crowd is a fan of Barack Obama or Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whatever but the bosses are, and uh, in many cases, the existence of the company and therefore the existence of the jobs is dependent one way or another, or at least a direct result of something to do with government, the government that this person up there is representing. So you have that going for you. So they're not going to sit there and boo and throw eggs at a president. They'll sit there and, and be polite and listen to them. And attendance is generally voluntary. But when you deal with Joe Biden, you're dealing with somebody who only speaks to either Democrats at Democrat rallies on the few and only in areas where it's he's not going to do any make any difference speaking on behalf of Westmore at a Westmore rally at Bowie State is it's a home game for Joe Biden. There's there's no attempt to convince anybody of anything. It's just rally the troops. And it's also, you know, when you say something profoundly stupid, 
everybody in the crowd has already kind of factored that in. They go, eh, that's Joe being Joe. He's dumb and he's senile. Not going to do any damage. When you go up to the Pittsburgh or the Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia area, and you appear with Frankenstein, actually, you look you look better. You look, No matter how stupid what you say is, or no matter how rambling what you say is, you're still better than Frankenstein, right? When Fetterman comes up and says, fire bad, and that's the extent of his speech, you're going to come off better than that. But otherwise, when he goes around the country, Joe Biden, to give speeches on policies or whatever to try and prop up his horrible poll numbers, He's always speaking to groups who are on his team. He's not trying to convince anybody. He's trying to keep the people he's got. And the people he's got are union goons. Not union members, union goons. There's a difference. Union goons are the dedicated people who, without thinking, and I've known, I played cards with these guys too, where they go, I've, uh, Democrats, Democrats are for the little guy. What are you basing that Democrats are for the little guy thing? Is is it the hundreds of billions of dollars they give to their corporate donors? Is that the little guy? Is that it? Because, you know, if you're you're comparing it to the government, which spends $5 trillion a year, then everybody's a little guy. Then a company that only makes $10 billion a year is the little guy next to $5 trillion. It's weird how that works, right? But he's always talking to the dedicated union people, the people who don't think for themselves, the people who will go, well, Democrats for us, and we're going to turn out the vote for Democrats, not thinking, hey, you know what? Democrats are really uh, encouraging open borders. It really sort of damages our argument that we should have raises. You know, there's a lot more people in the country now that Democrats want to be able to get jobs, compete with good union labor who will do it for a hell of a lot cheaper than union labor will maybe uh, maybe the democrats aren't particular because that doesn't benefit unions doesn't be, you know what more illegal aliens more legal aliens more whatever more people in the workforce legalizing 30 million illegal aliens will not help the little guy it'll help the little if the little guy is sitting around going i got too much money i don't even know what to do with it i'm, I'm just raking in money hand over fist then i guess Democrats will help the little guy. They'll say, all right, well, we'll unburden you from your problem of having too much money. We'll, we'll depress your wages and we'll create inflation. That'll solve your problems. But otherwise, I don't think that many people have that problem. So when he speaks, you always see them, and you can watch it in this video. They're wearing the union T-shirts. It's always whatever unions there are. There's five, six unions that are really hardcore Democrats that can provide members to be backdrops for speeches for Joe Biden. But they all do it on condition that they wear their union uniform. It's really weird. They wear the union T-shirts. I-B-E-W for Biden. Because why? Because they're narcissists, these organizations. As much as anything else, they're wild, rabid narcissists. So they'll go, we'll provide you with a, a crowd of barking seals but only if we can advertise our local 62 or IBEW. Not that anybody gives a damn. Like, oh, it's local 62 IBEW. They're the best. Uh, no, nobody knows unless you're in it and nobody cares. And I suspect most people in it don't care either. But they do it. So if you watch the background of pretty much any Joe Biden speech in nature, 
outside the White House. He's surrounded by paid union activists. He doesn't take questions from anybody except for maybe occasionally Peter Ducey, who would have a differing viewpoint from him. And if you notice, when Joe Biden does take questions from Peter Ducey, it's never, Peter Ducey is never on his list of pre-approved, pre-screened questions. Associated, we got so-and-so from the Associated Press wants to ask a question about such and such. Oh, wow. Gee, how'd you get all that information on a little note card? And we're supposed to believe that this is an absolutely spontaneous event where journalists are using their integrity and desperate to try and convey information to the American people. No, it's all a bunch of crap. The only time Ducey gets to ask a question is when they're all done with the pre-approved ones and he shouts out a question. He shouts it out and sometimes Biden takes it and sometimes Biden doesn't. That's it. It's about as close as Joe Biden gets. You remember Barack Obama, like I said, he used to kind of do this, but Barack Obama would do the Super Bowl interview when it was on Fox. He'd sit down with Bill O'Reilly for 20 minutes. It wasn't the friendliest of interviews. Bill O'Reilly wasn't jumping down his throat or anything, but it wasn't the friendliest of interviews. So he at least got props for that. Biden doesn't do anything like that. He goes to friendly crowds. And so when he says stupid things, they don't know that it's, well, they just know that they're there to applaud. They just know that they're there to be the barking seals that maybe somebody will throw a mackerel into their mouth. So this first clip I want to play is, you remember gas, remember gas prices? See, I caught hell. I wrote a column on Sunday and in it, I mentioned that people can get used to gas, get used to $3.50 gas. And a bunch of the commenters and messages, they go, oh, never get used to $3.50 gas. I bet you have. I bet you have. You don't like it. There's a difference between liking it and getting used to it. Liking it is, eh, I don't care. $3.50 seems about fair for a gallon of gas. You're not going to do that. Nobody's going to do that. Nobody in their right mind is going to do that anyway, except for a, a left-wing nut job. But getting used to it is something else. Getting used to it is, you know what? I've adapted to driving less. I've adapted to, you know, paying more, whatever it is. I've come up with the money. You will come up with the money. People can adapt and get used to quite a bit of things that they don't like and they don't want to get used to. So when you sit there and you say, I'll never get used to $3.50, I bet you have. I bet you have. You don't like it, but I bet you've gotten used to it. But we were told when gas prices were going up and now kind of leveled off. I don't think Joe Biden doesn't really care about lowering them anymore. The election's over. He didn't. But um, when they were going up, we were told, what? Nothing a president can do about the price of gas. I don't even know why. New York Times, Washington Post, NBC News, they all had think pieces and experts come on and say, but it's really nothing a president of the United States can do about gas prices. All this talk about blaming Joe Biden for high gas prices. It's its Putin's fault. Uh, weird how the president of Russia can have a massive impact on the price of gas, but the president of the United States can't. There's nothing, nothing they can do, nothing. And then the second gas prices started going down, what happened? Joe Biden said, my policies are working. I brought down the price of gas. Now that the price of gas is about as low as it's going to go for a while till we get a new president, you watch. He's now trying to claim that he did that. He caused, his policies caused gas prices to lower. After saying, there's nothing nobody can do about gas prices. 
So he's talking to a bunch of union goons yesterday, and he says this. Out there, this was the, one of the epicenters of manufacturing. And we're addressing the climate crisis as well. The climate plan we just passed is going to reduce emissions by 1 billion metric tons by 2030. And because of our, our policies, gas prices are coming down. And what's most exciting about it, people are starting to feel a sense of optimism. <laughs> you feeling the sense of optimism? Oh, gas prices are starting to come down because of our policies. All your policies. I love how he's talking to union guys. Nobody makes a peep when he says, we're going to cut car. Our, we just passed a massive climate change bill because they don't care about climate change. They don't. The only people who care about climate change are the people who are indoctrinated in colleges going, oh, my God, we're all going to die. They've got nothing better to do. They don't have bills to pay. They don't have families to support. They just have vanity projects to engage. They just drink, smoke pot, have sex, and attend protest rallies. And that's their lives. And that's fine. That's at 22, you know, God bless you. Let's not say that I did that, but, you know, I did that. But you're sitting there and you're watching these people, these union guys, and they're like, what do we care about? We're going to release, reduce car. All that means is things are going to cost more. These guys know this is going to cost more. Oh, we cut the price of gasoline. You didn't cut the price of gasoline. Your policies brought down the Your policies didn't bring down the price of gasoline. If your policies had anything, you drained the strategic petroleum reserve to dangerous levels where our national security is now a threat to get through the election. You're going to replenish that now because it's going to cost a hell of a lot more to replenish that now. Are you going to do that? Is it a priority? Is it something you're even considering? Or do you care about national security? Do your Chinese masters allow you to care about national security, Joe? I don't, I don't think they do. But while he's sitting there talking about gas prices, he then goes on to the supply chain. The supply chain is still screwed up. It's not being reported on, just like Paul Pelosi. You notice the Paul Pelosi story is going away? Paul Pelosi just disappeared. Poof. What, what happened to Paul Pelosi? Oh, the, some jackass who writes for Slate is trying to say, look, sometimes there's just no new developments to go on, so we, uh, we don't have anything to report on. No. No. You could easily be calling for the body cam footage from the police to be getting. You'd be suing the city of San Francisco to get that release since it is public property in the public domain. You're not doing that. You're not. You could be talking to friends of the assailant to find out, hey, how crazy was this guy? Was he really a right winger? Or they know he wasn't. They know he was a left winger. So they're not interested in the story. Democrats no longer need Paul Pelosi's cracked skull to try and motivate other Democrats to go out and vote, going, oh, my God, if you vote for a Republican, a Republican is going to break into your house and crack your skull open. So the story went away, just like the story of Paul Pelosi's DUI went away. Paul, the story of Paul Pelosi's DUI was very interesting. It kept on evolving. He was really hammered. There was a minor accident. There was a major accident. They were lucky that people weren't killed. There was somebody else in the car with Paul Pelosi, and then there wasn't somebody else in the car with Paul Pelosi. And then they just stopped talking about the car and Paul Pelosi altogether. Because once people started asking questions, it led to all sorts of weird stuff. That NBC News reporter still suspended a month later because he reported that Paul Pelosi opened the window, opened the door to police, and then walked back towards his assailant. They didn't know anything was wrong. He wasn't doing... 
that that story hasn't been refuted. It's just been deleted by NBC News. Doesn't say we were wrong about that. They basically said it was an inconvenient story. We Pelosi didn't really want out there, so we're just going to delete it. We're going to suspend the reporter a month for reporting what police told the guy. It's weird how that works. But the supply chain is the same way. Remember the supply chain? It was very important not that long ago. And then it stopped being important because it started being damaging to Democrats. Secretary Mayor Pete was in charge, is in charge of our supply chain. He's not being asked about the supply chain failures. Go try to buy some baby formula today. Let me know how that works out for you. The supply chain issues are still very real. But Secretary Mayor Pete isn't being asked about them. Secretary Mayor Pete isn't being isn't even talking about them. He's tweeting about oh the homophobic attack in Colorado Springs that turns out to be an attack by one of their own. A uh, an apology has not yet been forthcoming, and will not be forthcoming because Democrats never apologize; they smear and run away. So then Joe's talking about supply chain to these same union guys supply chain made much more expensive and arduous because of high gas prices and high diesel prices and he talks to these guys who work in the supply chain and he talks to them like they're idiots talks to them like they're bidens listen to this stuff 10 years ago how many knew what the hell the supply chain was no i'm serious no i'm serious 10 years ago who knew? Uh, anybody who took basic economics in high school or anybody certainly who works in supply chain, anybody who works in shipping, anybody who works in shipping and receiving, anybody who works for a company that manufactures anything, pretty much everybody on the planet understands what supply chain is. Now, could they design one and manage one? Probably not. But do they know what it is? Yes, they do. Ten years ago, you were vice president of the United States, Joe. It's scary that you didn't. What's scarier is you're the president of the United States now. You're overseeing the collapse of the supply chain. And you are sitting there trying to convince people that nobody knows what it is. Yeah, everybody knows what it is. It's what you're screwing up. It's what's causing things to cost more or to not be in the stores anymore. It's all because of you, Joe, your policies and your idiot secretary of treasury who's more interested in whining about fake hate crimes than doing his job when not on paternity leave that is i want to shift gears now to this uh this really bizarre put look liberals love assisted suicide the way they love abortion not as much as they love abortion yet they have yet to make assisted suicide as profitable as abortion but they're working on it. They're working on it. And once they do that, man, if they could get the... Uh, Planned Parenthood could also be like the uh, executioner of anybody of a certain age or a certain health. Boy, howdy, Democrats. Because then Democrats would try to subsidize that and they would uh, then have more money at Planned Parenthood, which could then go into the coffers of Democratic candidates. It really is, well, that's very cynical, Derek. I'm, I'm that cynical, yes, but it's also true. It's also true. So this story is bizarre. La Maison Simmons, a fashion retailer in Canada, has shocked social media users after airing a commercial that appeared to promote assisted suicide using a now-deceased woman as the subject 
of the advertisement. The company, as part, uh, as part of its All is Beauty campaign, arranged multiple filmed travel excursions for a terminally ill young woman before the date of her scheduled physician-assisted suicide. <clears throat> now, I'm going to play you this audio. It's... She, I, she's in exotic locales. She's on a beach. Watching... Some, it's a beautifully shot until you realize what's going on, but it's it shows you just how out of touch the fashion world is, to be honest with you. Uh, this is this is a television commercial in Canada for Simmons. I've never heard of them, but then again, I don't shop in Canada. Last breaths are sacred. When I imagine my final days, I see bubbles. I see the ocean. I see music. Even now, as I seek help to end my life, there is still so much beauty. You just have to be brave enough to see it. Okay. Now, then at the end, it closes with, uh, for Jennifer, spelled J-E-N-N-Y-F-E-R, June 1985, October 2022. Two. So this Jennifer killed herself or had physician-assisted suicide. Now, she didn't seem to be incapacitated. This is the thing. She didn't, if she wanted to kill herself, there's seemingly nothing stopping her from killing herself. But, uh, yeah, the advertisement ends. The woman's name, known only as Jennifer, as well as the dates of her birth and death, fade into the screen as the camera hovers over a rocky beach. Ahead of the commercial's release, the fashion company released a five-minute interview with Peter Simmons, the company's chief merchant, to outline their motivation and thinking behind the delicate subject. Simmons, during the interview, said that it was important to tell Jennifer's story and to try to create a ripple in which people can find strength and courage to see beauty even amidst life's most difficult moments. He admitted that he was scared for the world to see the campaign, but hoped that viewers would look deeper and attempt to see the hard beauty, as he put it, that he saw in the way Jennifer chose to live her life. She didn't really choose to live her life, she chose to end her life. Quote, at some point, I think you have to decide if life that uh, what you want to do and uh, if in life what you want to do and is your heart in a generous place and then you have to create a new reality and you can question yourself and never do anything. But if your heart is in the right place, then I think you have to forge forward, he said can't really forge forward when you're dead. Just pointing that out. You can't really forge forward when you're dead. Whatever you think of this ad, to sit there and claim that, it, oh, well, she's forging a new path. No, she's, she's ending her path. She is expressly ending her path. Now, you can deal with the morality of that all you want, but it seems a little bizarre to me for a fashion company or whatever to be involved in such things then you realize well fashion is just terrible fashion is is really this is who these people are 
This company, Simmons, in, in is part of a statement they released. We have made the courageous choice to use the privileges of our voice and platform to create something meaningful, something that is less about commerce and more about connection, he said, meaning the, the guy who runs the company. As a Canadian marketing website notes, quote, the trend of marketers speaking out on important social issues has been taken to a new level with the All is Beauty campaign. It is bound to be controversial, especially when the 30-second abridged version hits television screens. It's bound to be controversial. It's taking it to a new level. The left has no decency. Remember this when they tell you that have you no decency. They sit there, why are you interfering with this? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing the other thing? Fashion is different. If you are a slave to fashion, you might as well literally be a slave. This story, I don't even, I've never heard of it. I'm not rich enough to know what this brand is, nor do I give a damn. I'm not vapid enough to follow fashion. But this one has a bunch of celebrities attached to it, apparently. Balenciaga, I think is how you pronounce it. B-A-L-E-N-C-I-A-G-A. They put together a whole, they're a, some sort of fashion. They're in business with Kim Kardashian, Nicole Kidman. You name the left-wing celebrity, they're they're in bed with them. But they're also in bed with advertising kids and bondage. S&M. New York Post. They're tied up in scandal. Balenciaga is under fire online after showing two young girls holding stuffed animals dressed in what appears to be bondage gear in an advertisement. The fashion house, which has been associated with the Kim, likes of Kim Kardashian and previously made headlines for its daring fashion choices, daring fashion choices in the world of fashion means that they put stuff out there that nobody would wear, like full head masks and things like that. Maybe they're trying to appeal to Islamists. Who knows? Featuring the mini-models in Balenciaga apparel, holding plush toys that contrasted with the horrifying bondage get-ups. In one image, a ginger-haired little girl sported a t-shirt from the brand while holding the strap connected to a white bear, which was in the vest with a padlock choker around its neck. In another, a brunette child donned a blue outfit while clutching a purplish animal which is sporting similar BDSM attire. They have been refusing to comment on it so far, but yeah, there they are. It's not just they're wearing these cute little costumes. The bears are in full-blown BDSM gear. This is what fashion is. Kim Kardashian, she finally, to just tell you how awful these Hollywood people are. I guess it's unfair a little bit to call Kim Kardashian Hollywood. She doesn't really do anything. She's known for a porno and then a reality show because she doesn't have, she's not even particularly convincing as herself, to be honest with you. The acting on her reality show is terrible. Kim Kardashian is, quote, reevaluating her relationship with Balenciaga after the brand drew backlash for producing an ad featuring children holding teddy bears dressed in BDSM-style harnesses. The star broke her silence on the controversy in a statement to, on Twitter Sunday night, several days after fans began demanding she denounce the luxury fashion house. Now, don't you love this? I tell you this all the time only because it's true. When every other option is exercised and there's nothing left to do, Democrats will eventually 
do the right thing, but they'll only do it in the most insincere way and in the way that burns the fewest calories. She released a statement on Twitter saying, I'm reevalu she's reevalu do I want to reevaluate? I am reevaluating whether or not I want to be associated with a fashion house that thinks bondage and discipline and sadomasochism are cool with kids. Hmm. So you're reevaluating it. Under what circumstances would you come to the conclusion that, you know what, I think that bondage and discipline and SNA, I think that should be a part of every child's life. Do you really believe she's reevaluating anything or do you think she's trying to buy herself time because she doesn't want to have to give up the money? It's money. Let's face it. Is there a Kardashian that gets out of bed for not having for if they're not paid to get out of bed or who stays in bed when they're paid to be in bed, given how Kim became famous? It's kind of funny. I just want to be um, they want to sit there and make me look at that. Fine. They can sell their bodies all they want. I don't find them particularly. It's one of them that's attractive, but that's I don't remember which one it is. I just know that it's not Kim. But, you know, you sit there and you just go and try and play this game of I'm outraged and I need to figure out if I want to be a part of this means I'm going to see if this thing dies down. I want it because I want that check to keep rolling in. She has no discernible skills of her own. Then you see today that her and Kanye have uh, they finalized their divorce. Oh, yeah. Who would have ever thought that that marriage wouldn't last, aside from anybody everywhere? It's a good rule of thumb. If you got a, a porno, if you're famous for having a porno out there, and uh, every 20 minutes you're dating a new guy, you're probably not going to have a successful marriage or a successful marriage with that person. And same with Kanye West. You're probably not going to have a particularly successful marriage if your whole life is being insane and sleeping around. You know, if you, that's just how it is. But the uh, divorce is final. And what I found funny, ironic, Time Magazine has the report on this. They say, no, 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 there's, uh, they have averted a custody trial. So Kim Kardashian and Yee have reached a settlement in their divorce, averting a trial that had been, against, that had been set for next month, court documents said the former couple and their attorneys filed documents asking for a judge's approval the terms they agreed on now they don't get any money from each other there's no spousal support they're both billionaires although kanye west might not be a billionaire anymore but they're both worth hundreds of millions of dollars in any event but for some weird reason this is what struck me as weird including they said this they've agreed on including a two hundred thousand dollars Per month child support payments from Kanye West to Kardashian. The two will have joint custody and neither will pay the other spousal support. Now, if they have joint custody, why the hell is Kanye having to pay $200,000 a month? Joint custody presumably means that they split time equally, does it not? They're splitting time equally. Why the hell does one have to pay $200,000? And plus... What in the hell do you do with your kids that you're paying $200,000 that you run risk of sporting? All they eating is, is solid gold bullion? How do you spend $200,000 a month on the basics? Houses, they have houses. So you, you know the houses pretty much taken care of. Kim has to live somewhere. So then theoretically she's paying her own mortgage. 
They've got out of porn royalties or bondage royalties or whatever. So what you've really got to do is pay for food. And presumably they're going to a private education. I doubt their private education costs $200,000 a month or $100,000 a month or anything more than maybe $10,000 a month, which would still be excessive, but I'll give them that leeway. So you're looking at 5% of the child support going to pay for presumably all of the education of the children to the extent that a Kardashian or a West cares about the education of their children. Shouldn't Kim be on the hook for that? Some of that too? Joint custody? Mutual understanding? She's got more money than him? $200,000 a month? I think you'd have to really work hard to spend $200,000 a month on a couple of kids. Call me crazy. But then you think about how these people are. And then you think about what's going on. And what do you do? Every time Kim Kardashian leaves her house, what do you see? Pictures of Kim Kardashian. It's, in fact, usually the reason she leaves the house is so she can be photographed somewhere because that's how she makes her money. She wears somebody's clothes, goes out, gets pictured in it, or carries a bag or drink or whatever. And uh, they pay her a ton of money to do that. It's all very natural. Sick. Social media has ruined this country. This planet, actually. But what you rarely see is Kim Kardashian doing anything with her kids. You see Kim Kardashian is vacationing with this particular uh, boy toy in the Caribbean, and this one is over in Italy with. Not with the kids. Then you realize, oh, if you're going to pay somebody else to raise your kids, and you need them on call pretty much 24-7 because you never know when your publicist is going to arrange a, or your agent is going to arrange a deal for you to fly to Rome to drink a certain sort of drink or be seen in front of some landmark and have your picture taken, you got to have somebody on staff constantly to take care of your kids. Meanwhile, Kanye West is flying off to Mar-a-Lago. Then he's flying off to be on Tim Pool's podcast for 10 minutes and walking out. He's flying around with a couple of degenerates, traveling the country, seemingly no kids in sight. You really have to wonder... Is anybody paying attention to these kids? Does anybody care about these kids? They wanted to avoid a messy divorce for the sake of the children. No, I suspect they wanted to avoid a messy, long, drawn-out court case because they didn't want the world to know how they're actually raising their children as they've got brands to protect. That's just me. As we've well established, I'm very cynical. But I don't know how else you spend $200,000 a month on anything let alone kids. I want to just play this clip from President Fauci, because right now we're dealing with a White House that when they're looking at the face of real live human beings, victims of totalitarianism, standing up to that totalitarianism, they are saying nothing. This The Biden White House doesn't give a damn about the concept of freedom they oh we stand with the people they don't even that's usually what you can all count on democrats saying is we stand with the people or any politician really we stand with the people of such and such okay do you okay what does that mean nothing congratulations you stand with these people you don't stand with them while they're being trampled to death you don't stand with them while they're being run over and you'll issue a very stern statement about how they shouldn't have been murdered by their government, but I don't think you're going to do anything about, you know, helping them do anything about their government. But that's, you know, again, the cynic 
in me. But when it comes to what's happening in China right now, the Biden administration won't even go that far. Yesterday we had Admiral John Kirby, spokesmodel for the, uh, I think he's spokesmodel now for the State Department, but they bring him over to the White House every once in a while because Karine Jean-Pierre is so horribly, historically horrible at her job that when there are serious matters to discuss, they bring in somebody else to pinch hit for her because she can't handle it. And he refused to say when he was asked, well, when uh, the president, what does the president think when he sees these people standing up to the Chinese communists? And his answer is, the president isn't going to weigh in on his, uh, what does he think? No, the president uh, supports people's rights to protest. That's the only thought that goes on. That poor hamster running endlessly in the wheel in his head. Now, granted, the wheel is warped and broken and missing a lot of pieces, and it squeaks like there's no tomorrow. But it's still a hamster wheel. You're saying he's got... He's doing it all in uh, just the ultimate exercise in futility because Joe Biden can't formulate anything to say about this. He can't even say, we support these people. We, we understand their desire to be free as all human. Nothing like that. No. No. So you wouldn't expect anybody from this administration to think any differently. And that brings us to President Fauci. He was on CNN for the world's longest farewell tour. Just go away already, dude. What the hell are you... Go away already, right? You know you got a seven-figure book deal sitting out there. The only He made more money during the pandemic than anybody else. And now his net worth went up like 40% during the pandemic. I wonder how that is. And now that he's leaving, he's going to get a seven, maybe eight-figure book deal. Because think about, think about the, the marketing of Fauci's book, no matter what it is. It could be a coloring book. It'll be about as informative as a coloring book. But it will be uh, MSNBC and CNN, NBC, CBS, ABC, New York Post, New New York Times, probably the Post, the Washington Post, every left-wing establishment newspaper, Baltimore Sun, Detroit Free Press, Los Angeles, they will be lining up to promote this book. There won't be a major city or university in this country. Cities will have their independent bookstores. They'll have Dr. Fauci Day. They'll probably throw him a damn parade, and they'll have him in for a book signing. Thousands of copies sold. Thousands of Every university in the country will have Fauci come in. Oh, we must see Fauci. We must have Fauci. Can we touch the hem of his garment? The amount of money this guy's going to get in that book deal is going to be ungodly. They know a little bit about the financing of uh, the publishing industry and how it works. And in a general deal, a publisher can get 14, make $14 profit on a book. So if you want to get Fauci, they can get by. That's all profit. They can cut that down to two bucks a book if they really want it. Two bucks a book, you make it up on volume. You make it up on volume and you get that money back. Fauci's going to be, uh, I'd say, an incredibly wealthy man, but he already is. He'll be a wealthier man. And you don't get to be a wealthy person in Washington, D.C. by standing up to totalitarian regimes or expressing opinions that are contrary to the left-wing Democratic Party establishment. You have to ride that train. You bought the ticket, you take the ride. Now, in Fauci's case, he's down with the cause. It doesn't. It's not like he's having to fake it or anything like that. But during his farewell tour that will never end, he was on CNN and he's asked about these lockdowns in China. Now, Fauci is one of the architects of lockdowns here. Uh, just uh, 
15 days to stop the spread to 30 days to stop the spread to two and a half years to stop the education. So keep in mind, he's already in favor of that. And if you listen to this, he's kind of jealous. Now, the lockdowns have been a disaster. They didn't work, but they've been an unmitigated disaster for children on top of everything else for the economy. Fauci doesn't care because for his personal economy, he did quite well during the lockdown. So see if you hear anything in this clip from President Fauci that says he has a problem with what China is doing, other than the fact that he he doesn't think it has a particular purpose. But the concept of lockdowns, he's totally cool with. The China's official news agency today published an op-ed asserting that the country's strict COVID measures are scientific and effective. Are, are they? Well, when you want to shut down... Uh in order to interrupt immediately a process that's going on, like the spread of infection, there should be a purpose to it. Like you want to make sure you get enough ventilators or enough PPE, or you want to get your population vaccinated. The comment that I made about their severe uh, um, actions that they've taken is that you have to have an end game. What's the purpose? If the purpose is let's get all the people vaccinated, particularly the elderly, then okay for a temporary period of time to do that. But they have very, very strict type of a lockdown. They're locking people in their homes, which is really they can't even go out and, from what I hear, shop or walk a dog or something like that. That's going to create a lot of pushback on the part of the population if there's no underlying purpose of what you want to do. If there's no underlying purpose of what you want to do. That's going to create some pushback. Not that it's morally wrong, not that it's horrible, not that it's damaging to society. It's, a, it's going to create some pushback if you don't have a clear agenda. Well, um, the Chinese Communist Party doesn't really give a damn about pushback. Can we just be honest about that? Hey, you want to push back against the Chicoms, they'll shoot you. Right there, Here, pushback is met with uh, shots back. That's kind of a problem, don't you think, Fauci? No, 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 look, if you want to do lockdowns on a temporary basis because you want to do this, that, or the other thing, because you want to stop the spread of it, yeah, it worked wonders here in the United States. It totally stopped the uh, spread of the disease, didn't it? Wow, congratulations, all the disease you stopped spreading. I just, <sighs> can't he go away any faster? Honest to God, can't he go away any faster? He doesn't seem to. He doesn't seem to. Anyway, um, speaking of China, since we don't have a president that's willing to do anything critical of China, and we have uh, China shutting down communications in, or Apple shutting down communications in China amongst protesters at the behest of the Chinese Communist government, You'd think that the president of the United States, somebody who's supposed to be the leader of freedom in the country, the world, the shining light, uh, you'd think he'd have a problem with that. He doesn't. So we have to look elsewhere for somebody willing to stand up to China. And in this case, we look down to Florida. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, issued a statement that should have come from the president of the United States if the president of the United States were at all interested in the concept of freedom. Not. He's not. But if he were, he would have issued this statement. Instead, again, DeSantis. Very concerning. And then when you also hear reports that Apple is threatening 
to remove Twitter from the App Store because Elon Musk is actually opening it up for free speech and is restoring a lot of accounts that were uh, unfairly and illegitimately suspended for putting out accurate information about COVID. That's like one of the main things that's being reinstated. So many things these experts were wrong at, and you had people on Twitter that were calling that out. And Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And, and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula, and so he's uh, providing free speech. And so if Apple responds to that, uh, by nuking them from, from the App Store, you know, I think that that would be a huge, huge mistake, and it would be a really raw exercise of monopolistic power that I think would merit a response uh, from, from the United States Congress. And so uh, don't be a vassal of the CCP on one hand and then use your corporate power in the United States on the other to suffocate Americans and try to suppress their right to express themselves. Isn't that nice? Isn't that refreshing to hear? Of course, he's not president of the United States. Instead, from the president of the United States, you hear, uh, we support people's right to protest. Yeah, but should Apple be, could we support people's right to protest? Okay. Now, if Apple is hindering that we support people's right to peacefully protest, unless there are brown shirts over here, then we support their rights to try and kill police officers, civilians, business owners, each other. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Most of the people who were murdered during the uh, Black Lives Matter, the dozens and dozens of uh, people who were murdered, were their own protesters, people who, you know, made the horrible mistake and committed the unforgivable sin of not getting out of a business fast enough before it burned up, things like that. Or crossing somebody who is also there protesting for justice and therefore getting a two-by-four upside their head. Those sorts of things, you know, justice or something like that. But it's nice to hear DeSantis come out and say that. It'd be nicer to hear, and I'm sure they will over the next couple of days, but they shouldn't, the governor of Florida shouldn't have to be first. It'd be nice to hear other members of Congress, senators, members of the House, people with presidential aspirations, come out and be just as forceful. Now, of course, they'll be following DeSantis, so maybe they won't do it. But it would be nice if they focused on the things that are going on in the world and somebody stood up for the concept of liberty and freedom around the world and freedom from tyranny, freedom from communism, freedom from the oppression of a communist regime. Have you heard anybody else come out and say that? I haven't heard I haven't really heard anybody else really even covering it all that much. I get it. They're busy talking about... Uh, can I just go ahead and be honest with you? I've been watching this Georgia runoff. If you live in Georgia, go and vote. Vote for Herschel Walker. Uh, but he's been a wildly horrible candidate. Can we just be honest about that? A wildly horrible candidate. Apparently he's given up renting the house he was renting in Georgia and talks about was talking on the campaign trail about living in Texas yesterday. Instead like I get it. You're you're new to the state. You li- went to college there, you lived there for part of your life, but you don't live there, you haven't lived there in a while, you moved back to rent you rented a house, you should have at least signed a lease through the runoff election, don't you think? 
And if you didn't, you don't talk about how you live in Texas. I just don't know how he could have been a worse candidate. Why he was, well, he's been friends with Donald Trump since Donald Trump was an owner in the USFL. And Herschel Walker was their number one draft pick. And, uh, you know, that's fine. Being friends with somebody is fine. That doesn't mean that they're going to be a good candidate. It doesn't mean that you throw all the other good candidates aside or, you know, prevent them from running because you want your guy in there. And if you do get your guy in there, you probably should make sure that, A, he wants to be a United States senator. B, he could campaign in a realistic way that would, I don't know, get people to vote for him. Being a warm body and having been a football legend 40 years ago, not particularly inspiring, in my opinion, in the world of politics, but what are you going to do? And, uh, yeah, Donald Trump isn't even going to do a rally for him, apparently, which maybe that's what the Walker campaign wants. Who knows? But apparently the Walker campaign took last weekend off. Herschel Walker took last weekend off for God knows why. So if you're sitting around hoping to get a ray of light, a ray of hope from the Georgia runoff, maybe. I mean, this way, if if he wins... Now you'll be pleasantly surprised, right? If I've lowered the expectations enough. But in general, I'm not sure that the expectations can be lowered enough. Given how horrible of a candidate he is and how horrible of a campaign he and his people have run. And it's against somebody who's even worse, frankly, as a campaigner in Raphael Warnock. What's really funny is I get all these Warnock emails Oh, half the time they call him Reverend Warnock. Oh, it's Reverend Warnock, the right Reverend Warnock. He's so wonderful. He's a man of God, as all men of God desperately want to uh, force you to pay for abortions, right? But he's a man of God out there. And they sign it Reverend Warnock. If a Republican was a, a priest who ran for, they would go absolutely crazy. He ran for dog catcher. Separation of church and state. We need to keep these people out of it. We need to do But because to the left, government is their religion. So when they say they're a man of God, it's really just code for saying they're a man of government. They're totally cool with it. And they'll use the title reverend whenever they can. It's such a, it's so sick. Not surprising, but sick. Uh, If you've been watching any, I just want to touch on this before we run out of time, because first of all, you really got to, I don't know, what has happened to Late night television is terrible. It's unbearable. Stephen Colbert should be fired. He should be. They all should be fired only because they don't attract an audience. They attract a fraction. The fact that they lose on some days to Greg Gutfeld is a pathetic testament to how far the concept of comedy has fallen. But nobody has, uh, it didn't fall really with Stephen Colbert. It was tripped, shoved down a flight of stairs, if you will. And what I mean by that is if you look at his guest list, he has, it's like he's trying to repel an audience. Honest to God, it really is. Trying to repel, he has hosts from MSNBC and CNN on all the time. And he has Democratic politicians and former Democrat cabinet officials. Like, Who the hell wants to hear from a former cabinet official from a Democrat? Why would anybody want to hear this? And it's because Stephen Colbert is an obsessed, committed, joyless leftist. Period. End of story. That's what he is. That's all he is. 
horrible. I, he's insufferable. I could not imagine having to be like stuck on an elevator with this guy. It's just incredibly annoying. Well, he had on Don Lemon the other day. He wanted, oh, well, ratings gold, Don Lemon. Don Lemon was on yesterday talking about the changing tone of CNN, where they're trying to do something called journalism again, or at least they're trying to pretend to be doing something called journalism again. They're not really doing journalism. They don't do journalism. They wouldn't know what to do with journalism if it bit them on the butt. However, Don Lemon thinks that, uh, well, first of all, it's kind of telling that Colbert in this clip says basically CNN isn't allowed to be liberal anymore. What do you mean liberal anymore? Well, that's an acknowledgement that CNN is was liberal, is liberal. They are liberal. Now, Don Lemon tries to, in a way, knee-jerk respond to that. Well, no, we're never liberal, blah, blah, blah. Then he tries to go on to say that CNN's mission, what CNN's mission is, it's really just hilarious. I find it wildly funny. Listen to it for yourself. You've got a really hard job, which, yeah. is, which is running CNN. The word on the street is that you guys aren't allowed to be liberal anymore. Is that, is that the case? I don't think we ever were liberal. What? Yes. I don't think we ever were that, liberal. Not me saying that. That's the people out there saying that he's not letting you be liberal anymore. Well, I, listen, I think that I think what Chris is saying is that he wants Republicans sensible Republicans. He wants us to hold people to account, but he wants people to come on and feel comfortable with coming on and talking on, mm-hmm. on CNN and appearing on, on CNN. So if you invite someone in your house, you want to make them comfortable, but also by the, by the nature of what we do, we have to hold people to account. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going liberal or conservative or whatever. It just means that we are doing what we do, and that's good journalism. So accountable, not confrontation. Um... I think sometimes one must be confrontational. Look, I don't think that a conversation on television, television should be any different than a conversation in person. Listen, I have, a, I have confrontational conversations with people I love, and I have uncomfortable conversations with people I love, and I think it's necessary. And I think it's also necessary to, 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 to do that on television, on CNN. And then, but you can do that without being vitriolic. I think not being vitriolic is maybe a, a better way of putting it. But you can do that and not have vitriol. And you, as, as people say, you can, be disagree, you can disagree without being disagreeable. And so I think that, you know, that's what our mission is. <laughs> that's what our mission is, is to, be, is to disagree without being disagreeable with Republicans. Why shouldn't your mission, I thought your mission was to do journalism. Shouldn't that be your mission, to be journalists, to, do, to get to the truth? No, you didn't. What you didn't hear anywhere in there was anything to do with the truth or reporting or uncovering or anything like that. They don't even pretend to uh, with the garbage of we speak truth to power stuff anymore. They don't even they don't even go with that anymore. Why? Because, well, Democrats are the power now. They're not going to speak truth to Democrats. (laughs) We speak truth to power. When was the last time you did that? Well, we tried to do it during the Trump administration. Okay, fine. I'll, if I accept that, then I'd have to ask, why don't you do it anymore to the Biden administration? Is it that the Biden administration is just this bastion of truth? No. No, we could point out 10,000 lies from the Biden administration every single day that the historic Karine Jean-Pierre steps up to the podium there. We could point out lie after lie after lie. 
No. Our our mission is to be uh, confrontational without being disagreeable, without being meanie bumbalinis. You wonder why CNN is in the toilet. Chris Licht, the new head of CNN, the guy, there's a statement just out to my CNN colleagues. Our people are the heart and soul of this information organization. It is incredibly hard to say goodbye to any members of the CNN team, much less many. I recently described this process as a gut punch because I know how it feels for all of us. Today, we will notify a limited number of individuals, largely some of our paid contributors, as part of our recalibrated reporting strategy. Tomorrow, we will notify impacted employees, and tomorrow afternoon I will follow up with more details on those changes, talking about layoffs. It'll be a difficult time for everyone if your job has been impacted. You will learn more through an in-person meeting or via Zoom, depending on your location. In these meetings, you will receive information specific to uh, you about notice period and any severance that would apply, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, their mission is to be disagreeable without disagreeing or nasty or no vitri or whatever the hell it is. How about their uh, job is to do journalism and their desire is to get an audience? Neither one of those things are they particularly good at. That's all the time we have for today. Appreciate you listening, telling a friend, all that stuff. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks.